Well, we're going to take a few moments to remember the Lord in communion this morning. In this wonderful sense of God's presence, we remember the greatest act of love, the greatest sacrifice of all time, when God himself bore our sins on the cross. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to the Gospels, the Gospel of Luke? Amen. What a wonderful sense of the presence of God in, in this place today. Amen. How many of you sense the, the freedom and the liberty of the Holy Spirit? Amen. Amen. We need to be set free from so many things. Isn't it true? Set free from sin, set free from... Satan set free from the things of this world and sometimes simply just set free from ourselves. How many of you know we could, we could jam ourselves up pretty good <laughs> with our thoughts and imaginations and just the weakness of our flesh running wild. But I want us to be encouraged this morning. Amen. As your pastor, I care for you and um, I work hard to get you blessed. I say sometimes it's, it's, it's not an easy job trying to get you blessed. But don't fight against me, fight with me. Amen. For the cause of the gospel, for the blessing of God's people, for true worship and praise in the house of... Let's look at Luke chapter 22. It says, when the hour had come, he sat down and the 12 apostles with him. Then he said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. I mean, just thinking of that passage of scripture, there's just so much, so much in that passage. Jesus, when the hour had come, he sat down with the 12 and he said something. He said, with fervent desire, uh, the New International Version says, eagerly, eagerly I have desired to eat this Passover with you. There was something in the heart of Jesus. There was something that just was was stirring in him so 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 powerfully there was there was this mixture of emotions there was the deep desire in conviction in commitment to do the will of God he was going to go to the cross he was going to take the sins of the world upon himself your sins my sins past present and future and he was going to bear them to Cal experience the judgment of God for sin that you and I can go free. So he had this passion, he had this desire to do the will of God, but he also understood the great suffering he would experience. I won't take time to go into all of the physical aspect of his suffering. You know, crucifixion was not invented by the Romans, but someone said it was perfected by them. In other words, they took it to a whole nother level. Crucifixion was used 
as a means of intimidation and as a means of keeping all the people in line because they would use crucifixion as a public display of anyone that would, 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 would rebel against Rome, anyone that would become the enemy of Rome, this is what would be done to them. And, and the devastation and the suffering and the pain and the agony and the humiliation of people, but but Jesus would would go through that, but he would go through something even greater, something uh, heavier, and that that's beyond comprehension. We can't even imagine. He would bear the sins of the world, the most holy and purest of all beings. He he was tempted, but he never sinned. He was perfectly holy. Never knew what it was to have any kind of sin manifested in his his body. In his purity and in his holiness, on the cross, Jesus would have to suffer the wrath of God. On the cross, he would bear our sin and he would face the judgment of God. And at that moment, he would become both just and the justifier. He would be the justifier for you and I, he would take our place that we can go free, but he would also be just and that he would, as God, he would bear the sin and the punishment of that sin. And he says there, he says, with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Think about that. Jesus wanted to be with his friends. He wanted to be with his disciples in this most crucial moment of time, this just a few hours before he would suffer. What does that tell me? That tells me that even Jesus needed friends. Even Jesus at the most excruciating point of his life, the greatest suffering of his life, he wanted to be around people. How many of you know the Bible says that it is not good for man to be alone? The Bible tells us that two are better than one and a threefold cord is not easily broken. The Bible tells us that we ought to encourage one another daily lest we be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Daily, not just once a week, not just on Sunday mornings. Encourage one another daily. We need encouragement. We cannot do this alone. And there are seasons in our life where it becomes more intense, it becomes more acute, it becomes more challenging, that all the more we need people in our lives that will encourage us, that will pray for us, that will stand with us, that will give us an encouraging call, that will let us know they're praying for us, that will be there for us. What can I do? How can I help you? And I do believe that if we sow seeds in that way in times of peace, in times of war, God will cause that reaping to come back. Amen? You know where we get jammed up? We get jammed up when we expect certain people to do for us what we feel we need. But God will show us that he'll still bring in encouragement and ministry and blessing in other ways so that we learn not to trust in man, but we learn to trust in God and God only. But nonetheless, we still need that kind of love and support to people to walk with us. And Jesus, he needed that. He said, before I suffer, he said, I desire to eat this Passover. You know, he had eaten Passovers before. He had been to these fellowship dinners. He had been to the potluck suppers. He had been to a church fellowship before. 
But this time, he said, eagerly, with a fervent desire, I desired to have this Passover, to eat it with you before I suffer. I believe that that was a ministry of encouragement to him, a support, a strength before he went to the cross. If Jesus needed that, you and I need that. So I encourage you, be that to somebody else and believe that God will bring that back to you in your moment of need, in your hour of need. Amen. I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor a seed out begging for bread. You may be down today, but help is on the way. And God will bring help to you through people. If he has to use angels, he'll use angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who will inherit eternal life? Come on, say amen this morning. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. I want to encourage you this morning. I want you to look at this cup. I want you to look at this wafer. They represent a broken body. They represent shed blood for you and I this morning. But you know what Jesus said? He said, I will no longer eat. This is the last time I'm going to partake of communion, he said until I eat it in the kingdom of God. I want you to be encouraged today that the end game is heaven. We get so focused on this life, our prayers, our faith, our aspirations, our expectations. We all get so focused on this life that we lose sight of the fact and the reality that this life is not the end game. We're just passing through. I know I do. I know I have to struggle with that. We get so attached to the things in this world. But you know what? The end game is heaven forever and ever and ever. And none of us want to die. Isn't that funny? We all want to go to heaven. Talked to somebody recently. They went there, someone died in their family and they're 90-something. And they're trying to explain why they died. They had this, they had that. They were 90-something years old. God bless them. I wish I could live to 90-something. You don't have to give a reason for death. Old age. We're not going to live forever. We want to, though. No, you know, think about, think about how crazy that is. Think about how ludicrous it is. In this world, we know that our joy, our pleasures are always sabotaged by suffering and sorrow and pain. And the best of meals ends in indigestion. The best of vacations come to an end. My wife and I, we go on vacation. It is so awesome when we're at the airport and we're sitting there waiting to get on the plane and we've got two weeks, three weeks ahead of us. Vacation. But I've been on enough vacations to know that, that I see people coming off a plane. Their vacation is over and I say, you know what? Just like that, ours is over. I don't mean to be depressing, but the reality of it is, it just goes by, everything goes by so fast, but, but the end game is heaven forever. One minute in heaven, one second in heaven, we will see Jesus. It won't be about the streets of gold. It won't be about a relative. It'll be about Jesus, the glory of heaven, the glory of Jesus. That's what we're living for. And Jesus prophesied. He said, listen, we're going to partake, but you know what? I'm not eating, I'm not drinking anymore until it's fulfilled in the kingdom. So he was prophesying. He was declaring there was a time, there was a day, there was an hour where we will enjoy eternity. Pleasure. No more suffering. No more pain. You know, the reality of it is, in some of our lives, we've suffered some of, some of you have some, some long-standing suffering and some things will never be healed on this side of eternity. 
Some things in this life will never be sorted out. It's just the reality of living in a sinful world, living in a fallen world, living in an evil world where the prince of the power of the air is the devil. Some things will never be sorted out. Some things we will, we will struggle with till the grave. But one glad morning, when this life is over, I'll fly away. I'll fly away. No more tears, no more suffering, no more pain, no more dying. Behold, God says, I make all things new. That's what we look forward to. That's our hope. And I believe and I, I, I know upon the authority of God's word that God allows suffering and he allows pain to detach us from this world. I know I'm talking to some young people. They don't even, they don't even know what I'm talking about. They're too young. Some of you happy to be in that young category. Live your life, have, enjoy life, but honor God, put God first because this life goes by so fast. Our life is like a vapor, the Bible says. It's like a cloud, it's like a mist that appears and then it's, it dissipates. But eternity with Jesus, forever and ever and ever. Someone once... Uh, a contest in his congregation, whoever could come up with the best illustration of eternity. And the one that was chosen, and even the best of illustrations really fail and pale in comparison to the, the reality of the truth of eternity that, that no man could comprehend. But the one that, that won the prize was eternity is a bird flying from one end of the United States in the east coast and taking a grain of sand and bringing it to the west coast once a day and emptying out all the sand on the east coast bringing it to the west coast and that's just the first day of eternity and then the second day is bringing it back <laughs> I don't know what you think of that illustration but anyway the reality of it is Jesus said with fervent desire I've desired to spend this time with you, my, my friends, because we're going to eat it again, but it's, it's going to be in the kingdom of God. Then he took the cup and he gave it thanks. He gave thanks. He said, take this, divide it among you. And I want you to, I want you to take the wafer before we partake. Just take it. And in a moment, I'm going to just ask you to say out loud that this this. His body was broken for me. His body was broken for me. I want you to say that in a moment. Before you do, there was research done, I think it was done in Europe, about uh, regarding drug addicts and alcoholics, ex-addicts who were in recovery. And statistics showed that those who said they were drug addicts as opposed to those who said they were recovering addicts. The drug addicts had a, those who spoke those words had a greater level of relapse in falling back into to their drugs or their alcohol. And I believe that speaks of the power of your words. This morning, if you and I understand that his body, if we say it personally, was broken for me, his blood was shed for me, it is speaking life, it is speaking encouragement, it's speaking hope this morning that when we do fail, when we do sin, and we all sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the scriptures say. 
You know what an advocate is? It's someone that doesn't just just come with you on, uh, and not, doesn't just stand with you on, on your behalf. They also speak on your behalf. They also take the authority they have or the resources they have and they say, I am standing with this person and I am putting my weight behind them. And the Bible says Jesus is our advocate. Does that mean just the first time we accept him? Does that mean just the first few times we sin? No, it means the 199th time we fail. If any man sins, we have an advocate with the Father. This morning, what an advocacy. What a hope that you and I have as the people of God here this morning. just want to encourage you right now, this is my sermon. Just in case some of you are saying this is a good exhortation, but now he's got a whole other sermon coming. Just wanted you to be at peace. But amen, amen. This is a special moment. This is a special moment where we remember what Jesus did, and Jesus himself. This is one, one of two rituals, if you will, in the Bible that's not an empty ritual. We call them ordinances, bapt, water baptism, and holy communion. Eucharist, uh, a Greek word that means thanksgiving. So we're grateful this morning, and we're going to speak life, we're going to speak victory, we're going to speak hope, that his body was broken, his blood was shed. I want you to take that wafer and I want you to speak it right now. This body, his body was broken for me. Come on, say it again. His body, Jesus' body was broken for me. His brokenness for my brokenness. Let's remember his, his body that was, was torn for you and I. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It says, likewise, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood. My wife, yesterday, we were talking. She was reading a book of a, of a older Christian artist and just talking about a lot of the, the stuff she's dealt with in her life and you would never know it but again you know the reality of living in a sinful world a broken world that there is all manner of dysfunction there's all manner of just issues of the heart the mind that some of us struggle with more acutely at different seasons some of us struggle with long periods of time and the reality of it is we're all broken people that need the grace of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, you need this cup. This cup is for you. Amen. Would you stand with me as we partake? And I want to pray over your mind and over your heart. I want to pray healing. Amen. I want to pray wholeness. These last couple of years, psychologists tell us, psychiatrists tell us, have, have wreaked havoc on, on people's emotions, on their mental well-being. And, and it's true. I mean, you think about people, what people have gone through. The, God never intended for us to be separated, to be isolated, to be quarantined, right? We're made to be in fellowship with God, but also with one another. 
Amen. There's no, there's no just me and God. There's, that, there's no such thing in the scriptures. It's, it's we and God. Amen. And so this morning, I want to pray over our minds and our hearts for the great, the healing grace of God. Would you put your hand over your head? Be careful if you've got extensions in. Amen. Amen. I want to pray over you. I want to pray with you. Father, thank you this morning for this cup that represents your precious, precious blood. Oh, God. Oh, the love that drew salvation's plan. Oh, the grace that brought it down to man. Oh, the mighty gulf that God did span at Calvary. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood that covers our minds, our hearts. Father, I just pray from the back to the front. I pray for the, 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 the young and the old, the, the old timers, the newcomers. Father God, I pray for a special grace over each and every one of our lives today. God, you know what we have been through. You know the long, hard seasons some of us have endured. God, we don't even know the effects of, of all that we've been through, but we do know, God, that there is grace, there is mercy, there is hope in the cross of Calvary. Father, today we ask that you would touch our hearts and our minds. God, you have given us a spirit of power. Today, by the power of the blood, we rebuke the devil. We know that the devil... He tried to bruise the heel of Jesus at the cross, but we know that his head was crushed at Calvary. We know he is a defeated foe. He is still a foe, but he's defeated. And we have the victory through the blood and through the power of Jesus' name. And so, God, today I pray over this church. I pray over your people today. Any emotion they're dealing with, hurt, bitterness, anger, unforgiveness, fear, insecurity, paranoia. In the name of Jesus, let there be a healing flow. Let the blood of Jesus be applied to the hearts and the minds. We do not wrestle with flesh and blood, but our, our battle is with principalities and powers. And we have weapons that are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations. And so God, today, as we partake of this cup, may the blessing of God be released in our life. May the grace of God flow as we give thanks for the cross and for the blood in Jesus' name. Let's remember that this blood is for us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Gratitude is so powerful. Can we just express gratitude to the Lord right now? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We're grateful, God. Forgive us for our ingratitude in times when we fail to see your goodness, your grace in our lives, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Lord. God, we thank you for the blessing of God upon this church, God. We don't take that for granted. We don't take that lightly. But we're appreciative. We're grateful for you being with us through every season. We thank you, Jesus, that you're the head of the church. 
that you're building your church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We give you praise and thanks in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Amen.